Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. Two segments on this episode. First, a look back 20 years ago at the Pan Am Games, officially underway at this point in 1999. Kelly Moore with a conversation with Winnipegger Tanya Dubnikov, who won two gold medals in short track cycling. And then Jeff Braun and I, we watch, we review one of the best sports movies ever, Happy Gilmore on the podcast. 20 years ago today, it was the official start to the 1999 Pan Am Games in Winnipeg. Well, actually, competition began the day before with events at Lake Minnedosa, but there would be many more standout performances by Canadian athletes over the next 17 days. The biggest buzz in this city, though, created by Winnipegger Tanya Dubnikov, who would win that one. But two gold medals in short track cycling at the velodrome at Red River Exhibition Park. First off, I can't believe it's been 20 years. So thanks for reminding me. It, it, you know, part of it seems like it is yesterday. It was yesterday. At the same time, it does seem like it's a, a distant memory. And, you know, I think, um, as you mentioned, with the city buzzing, I think that, that definitely made it one of the most memorable uh, competitions of my career. And having it at home in Winnipeg, you know, being the flag bearer, winning two gold medals, uh, was was definitely something that's pretty hard to reproduce uh, in an athlete's life. So yeah, it was one of the highlights for me for sure. Daniel, what do you remember about those two gold medal performances? You know, I think the 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 biggest memory is, you know, when you're an athlete training and there's always sort of um, some unknowns of you know before competition and and you know, challenges and, and trying to be in the right form and the right shape uh, to the, the best of your ability. And the one thing I remember about that is that everything felt so right. Um, and, you know, it almost seemed like it was effortless. And so I think that's what I remember the most is that that everything went so well. The training went so well, the, you know, uh, the teammates and the coaching and, you know, the equipment, everything just worked so well. And even though I did, you know, have to produce a lot of power and a lot of energy to, to do well, but it was just something about everything coming together and it just felt like it was effortless. So it was sort of in that flow state. Um, and I was able to enjoy it as well. And so that was sort of a special moment to be able to, be sort of the pinnacle of your career in terms of strength and power and speed, uh, and then also having the uh, perspective to enjoy it uh, at home in Winnipeg. Yeah, because that's important to being uh, one of the few hometown athletes who have the opportunity to compete in the games. There was a lot of pressure on, on athletes like yourself to, to, to do as well as you possibly could. Yeah, I think that's, that's the sort of, you know, you know, that's always in the back of athletes' minds is who are they competing for, right? And so if you're at home or I, you know, was listening to a podcast the other day about athletes that were competing in the Vancouver Olympics and saying uh, because of it was at home and because, um, you know, there, there wasn't really pressure to perform, it's pressure to be with everybody else. And I think that's sort of what made it uh, so unique. And um, I just remember, I think there was some celebrations, Portage and Maine, uh, you know, months out before the games, and and I had to be there because I didn't want to disappoint individuals. But I had pneumonia, <laughs> so I remember standing on board and I'm like, "This is not good." But there was something about being there that made it important. And I and I think you know, having a sickness 
um, and having to take time off well ahead before the games definitely was able to give me the perspective that I needed. Um, and, you know, the body heals, you get over it and you get back to training. And so and sometimes those those are the things that I don't really remember. I just remember the good times. So um, athletes do go through that. And I think pressure is sort of about the, the individual themselves. And, you know, there's always that famous quote about, um, you know, press, pressure is a privilege um, uh, uh, by the famous tennis player. And I think that uh, you got to remember that when you're in that situation, it's definitely a privilege to perform to that. You mentioned you had a chance to enjoy the games. Uh, not only competing, but uh, what what else do you remember of the games? Obviously, being the flag bearer, uh, I would think that would have had to have been one of the highlights. But did you get a chance to get out and see some of the other events? And I guess the other part of that question, Tanya, now, you know, back then, there wasn't the same type of social media exposure for athletes that there is now. So d- did people recognize you? Did they come up and want to see your gold medals, you know, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think, uh, but I think that the, the most famous person in Winnipeg was my dad because he was the one that was doing all the talking. Uh, <laughs> and so, that, that was quite fun. Uh, but no, it, it was, you know, it felt really safe. And, you know, you'd go out for, I'd go out, you know, to, to once the events were over, we'd go out with our teammates or we'd go out with my family. And, you know, it was just, you know, wonderful times where everyone would get together and celebrate. So it was good times and lots of beverages had and, um <laughs> Yeah, I saw some of the other events. I can't lie. I saw some volleyball. Um, and what else did I see? I can't remember. I saw, I don't know if I, there was road racing and there was uh, the time trial, but I think we were preparing for it. So I know that I wasn't able to go see Clara race, uh, but she came to the track. Um, we had a good time. Um, I think it was whose birthday was it? It was somebody's birthday. might have been her birthday or someone brought me a genie's cake because that was one of my favorite things to eat. Uh, so we were eating genie's cake in the middle of the track while uh, some of the other track events went on. So, um, yeah, it was just fun uh, once the games were, once the, the competition was over. And there was also other athletes from other countries that, you know, you travel around the world and train with. So I think once the competition were done, we all sort of went out together because that was sort of our, our, um, our, our, our group, uh, even though there were athletes from the United States or Cuba or wherever, um, we all went out and did things together to sort of celebrate, uh, celebrate the games as a unit. That is Kelly Moore talking to Tanya Dubnikov, two-time gold medal winner 20 years ago at the Pan Am Games. Kelly Moore also every day putting together on this day at the 99 Pan Am Games. So what happened July 21st, 23rd, pardon me, 1999? Well, Lake Minidosa, Karen Furno of Waverly, Nova Scotia, won gold in the women's kayak 1,500-meter event. Mary Josie Guibo Umet of La Chine, Quebec, and Carrie Lightbound of Mississauga, they won the women's K2 500-meter race. The second gold medal of the Games for all three is they were part of the women's K4 team that won gold the day before at the Pan Am Pool, Winnipegger Daryl Bourne captured Canada's first gold of the game, or first goal of the game in a 6-3 win over Brazil. Red River College, Canada, blasted Trinidad-Tobago 7-1 in women's soccer. It was also the day of the opening ceremonies. 40,000 people at Winnipeg Stadium on hand to welcome the 5,000 athletes from more than 40 countries during those ceremonies. And it was Dubnikov who was the flag bearer for Team Canada at the opening ceremony. So we'll be doing lots of looking back over the next couple weeks. Of all 
the movies we've done so far, this is certainly the one that I have watched the most before we've done it. Yeah. I've watched Happy Gilmore a number of times. This one would be, well, it's either, mm, prob- no, for me, probably still Major League, but yeah. this would be a very close second. So if for some reason you haven't seen Happy Gilmore. It's also a hockey movie. Yeah, in <laughs> no. a way. So Adam Sandler, and this is 1996, so this is Adam Sandler's peak, is it not? This was his big break. Oh. This was his second movie. It made Billy Madison, which nobody really saw at the time. Right. And then Happy Gilmore came out and everybody's turned their heads like, what is, who is this? Like, we'd known him from Saturday Night Live or whatever, but I think at 96, he must have been off Saturday Night Live already. And he had some comedy albums, which were a thing at the time. I don't think that's a thing anymore. Not really. But he'd do skits on on CDs, which, and those did very well, Mm -hmm. especially against, for guys my age or whatever. And then- in 96 when I was in college this movie came out and we just went nuts for it right so it's all about Netflix specials now this movie is Happy Gilmore he's a crappy goon hockey player whose grandma's house gets repossessed because she doesn't pay her taxes so he decides to take up golf when he just realizes he can hit the ball 400 yards with this wacky swing yeah and he enters the tour he's swearing he's just this boisterous guy on the golf course but the tour loves him they're getting great ratings and all these weirdos are showing up to the course and it's great and and he doesn't care because even when he learns that even if he comes in last he still wins like eight thousand dollars so if he comes in last in a bunch of tournaments that money adds up real quick and he can buy back his uh dear grandmother's house and get her out of a terrible nursing home to be a uh, the most corrupt nursing home of all time run by ben stiller uncredited by the way yeah yeah but oh man he's funny sir um could i trouble you for a glass of warm milk it helps put me to sleep you could trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up now you will go to sleep or i will put you to sleep and apparently in a deleted (laughs) scene he gets thrown out a window by happy gilmore Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, awesome. So Carl Weathers plays Chubbs, who's like an old golfer who discovers Happy Gilmore and tries to coach him up. He's missing his right hand because an alligator bit it off. And uh, eventually, Happy Gilmore finds that alligator, kills it, takes its head, gives it to Chubbs, who gets stunned by it, falls out a window, and dies. There's a lot of, like, surprisingly, like, oh, he just died. Yeah. It was like, and they're gone. The dad, the movie. His dad got hit by a hockey puck in minute two and died. That's right. <laughs> And you're just not. Re- There's no repercussions for violence in this, but that's fine. I always remember. Uh, I always think of Chubbs playing the piano in heaven or whatever. Right in his happy place. Chin up, happy, and then he like Carl Weathers is yeah, playing. He like brings up his hand, and but the music keeps playing. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there are many. Uh, lots of weird jokes. There are lots of goofs in the IMDb section. <laughs> also, uh, worth pointing out. Grandma, played by Frances Bay. She Dauphin. was also in Seinfeld. She's from Manitoba, yeah. Yeah, she was uh, raised in Dauphin, Manitoba on the Canada Walk of Fame. So the main rivalries between Happy Gilmore, who's out there wearing uniforms that are not... A, you wouldn't be able to wear a hockey jersey in a golf tournament. Let's no. just start with that. Yeah. Shooter McGavin is the main villain and played... This is perfect. Just stay out of my way or you'll pay. Listen to what I say. How about I just go eat some hay? I can make things out of clay and lay by the bay. I just may. What do you say? He is not only like probably the best sports villain of all time, because usually they're just playing against a bunch of faceless Russians in hockey mm-hmm. or, or something weird like that, or or the New York Yankees are bad guys for whatever reason. But Shooter McGavin's a legit villain, like not just a sports movie villain. He's, I would put him in the top 20 of all time movie villains. Okay. He's that good uh, as far as 
you know, what's at stake and how, what this movie's concerned with. He's just perfect. And he's hilarious. And Christopher McDonald, he never would have won, but I think he should have got at least a nomination, maybe not an Oscar nomination, but a Golden Globe nomination. <laughs> but this was kind of his big role, right? It's the thing everyone knows him for. And he's a guy that's, he's been in everything and he plays a sleazeball a lot of the time. Well, that's why he, apparently he was worried about taking this role because he didn't want to be typecast as that and yeah. then eventually read the script and was like, okay, I'll do it. I do feel bad for him a little bit because that's what people think of when they think but of that guy. But apparently he was pulled over for a DUI a couple years ago and he tried to get off of it by telling the police he Shooter McGavin <laughs> let him go, which sounds like the most Shooter McGavin. That's the most Shooter McGavin thing to do, isn't Just, it? Don't you know who I am? Exactly. Shooter McGavin, I can do what I want. And to I'm bring, above the law. To bring this all full circle, apparently Kevin Costner was offered the role of Shooter McGavin. That's And he that's turned it funny. down. And I think it's better that he did. That's weird, though, because that's even pre-Tin Cup, at least yeah. when, at the point when they were offering Costner's roles. Costner doesn't feel like the villain, though, right? He's, no. He's got to be the good guy. He's too much of a good guy. Yeah. He's too obviously. Like, it's like Tom Cruise isn't good as the villain either, unless mm-hmm. it's something cartoonish like it is in Tropic Thunder or whatever. But. There's so many good little side characters in this. There's the homeless caddy that never talks, who's like just picking up people's coins when they put it down yep. on the green. There's... Uh, Vern Lundquist being the golf analyst. I think most people have found their way over to Happy Gilmore. He's been the talk of the course today with his huge drives and his amazingly bizarre behavior. For the, again, unlicensed pro golf tour. <laughs> and they don't have NHL highlights at the start either. The guy in charge of the tour, the director of the tour. That's the director of the movie, by okay. the way. Uh, Dennis Lee, Dugan. Lee Trevino, actual golfer who's just shaking his head in disbelief. And apparently didn't read the script beforehand. And if he had, he would not have actually agreed to the <laughs> film because of all the swearing. Kevin Nealon. Grizzly this, Adams did have a beard. <laughs> he has his only line. Uh, Kevin Nealon, this really weird guy off the start of the first yeah. tee. Oh, yeah, happy, Gilmore. Yep. happy, the ball itself has its own energy, or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the hole. So why don't you send him home? His bags are packed. He's got his airplane tickets. Bring him to the airport. Send him home. Joe Flaherty? Yep. You jackass. Jackass! Did you say the big giant guy? No. He was uh he was in James Bond movies or whatever. Okay. Got the nail in his head, mm-hmm. right? He's my favorite. And and not even for when he's like angry, although that's very funny too, but just when he's he says, Oh, excuse me, Mr. McGavin, but Happy Gilmore performed that feat not an hour ago at this stage. <laughs> yeah. That there's something about the way he delivers that line that cracks me up. And I love how there's so many things that happen in this that would never happen in real golf. And that's the point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just takes a guy's nine iron, bends it. <laughs> Happy Gilmore's just punching people on the golf course, jerseying them. Yeah, well, just swearing, course. swearing for about a minute on that's, live TV. That's with, funny. And the, the only thing he gets is, ah, "Dude, you got to stop that." Okay. When it when it cuts to the TV footage and it's all bleeped out or whatever, <laughs> that's that's a one of my favorite moments as well. And, and of course, the Bob Barker thing. Oh. That's uh, the biggest thing. That's the lasting that's what legacy of this movie. Yeah, yeah. He gets yeah. in a, a one over a minute. Fight with Bob Barker. There is no way that you could have been as bad at hockey as you are at golf. All right, let's go. You like that, old man? You want a piece of me? I don't want a piece of you. I want the whole thing. I would say that Bob Barker would be, now he would always be a respected game show host, but he he would be a sort of a blip in the national consciousness if he had not done this movie. And apparently... And now the, everybody still uh, knows him, and I think this was still, just know, made him famous. He's still alive. Again. He's still alive. I know. And the ratings in the college demographic on Price is Right apparently skyrocketed after Happy Gilmore because... Makes sense. It, that, that's the relationship. It brought their eyes to it, and, mm-hmm. then, and then, of course, 
once you watch Price is Right, of course you want to watch it again because it is an awesome show mm-hmm. just in general, no matter who's hosting. The price is wrong, bitch. I think you've had enough. No? Now you've had enough. Bitch. Also, a lot of one-day tournaments in this film, but they do make the the final tournament four days. Yeah, that was the machinations of the tour were kind of mind-boggling at times. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about all that. And there, uh, did you notice in the scene with Happy and uh, the what's her name, Virginia, the PR woman that yep. he dates from Modern Family in the skating scene? They're at the facility of the Minnesota Moose. Yes, I did know. I noticed that I, every time. I'd never seen that before. But now I know that, that that's the team that moved to Manitoba yeah. in the IHL days. Yeah. Yeah. So that arena must just be in St. Paul somewhere or yeah. something like that, I guess. Yeah. But so I, I thought, oh my God, there it is. That I love too. The, the Zamboni guy singing. He's there the whole time. Singing Endless Love or uh-huh. mouthing it or whatever. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh-huh. It's just, this movie really like made a, made the case for like bizarre, weird comedies. Cause used before that there were, the comedies were more kind of straightforward, mm-hmm. more like a Christmas vacation kind of, right. a stri- or home alone kind of straightforward family comedies. And then Adam Sandler was like, look, we can do all sorts of bonkers stuff that literally doesn't make any, like is not based in reality. Cause like the Zamboni driver, you would never let a guy who does that singing wise run the Zamboni at a rink. You know what I mean? Well, maybe it's yeah. the '90s. Also, those big, large checks are not legal tender. You can't cash those. No. No. Um, yeah. No, obviously not. And nor would you if no. you were collecting you thirty them of them. Your you wouldn't want to be paid like that after the first time. Absolutely. There are a lot of great quotes in this movie that, if you've ever been on a golf course, you've probably said. Yep. Oh, uh, for sure. Just tap it in. Tap it, tap it. Why don't you go in your home, ball? Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Or the, <laughs> my favorite is, somebody's closer. <laughs> just yeah, so good. good. Uh, my favorite is when he gets, oh, Volkswagen, when he gets hit by the car. <laughs> and then the doctor's like, no, my God, you you won't, you have to go to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, I got to play. He's like, fine, what would I know? I'm just a doctor. And he storms off. Yeah. Uh, this movie did not get reviewed well. At the no, time. Well, no, how could it? It's, <laughs> it's as but it wasn't a, supposed to be a golden flick. No, they weren't shooting for critical praise. No. Also, the whole hit it where it lies thing. The, you, you would, if it was on a guy's foot, he'd get a drop. I would imagine. Yes, yes, of course. But uh, overall, it's an all-time dumb, funny movie. It is. I don't know. On it for me, and it's a generational thing because people that are just a little bit older than me, and I'm 43. Mm-hmm. When you say, what's your sports comedy, they all say Caddyshack. And then starting with my generation, and then I don't know, maybe not all the way down to yours, but definitely my generation, people say Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, I've watched a bunch. Yeah. So, and I don't watch a lot of movies. It's an all-timer. Uh, did you know that Bob Barker could actually fight? And he was he took like karate under Chuck Norris for years. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Joe Sackick is in the hockey tryout scene, uncredited. I believe that. Uh, Judd Apatow helped rewrite the movie. I believe that too. Yeah, yeah. There's it was a bunch of Saturday Night Live connections from back in the day, and I think Judd used to write over there. What's your rating? Ma, uh, I will give it. Oh, I know what I'll give it. Uh, this gets eight and a half uh, Subway sub sandwiches out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna give it eight alligator eyes out of ten. Oh, that's a good one.
into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?